So this week, it's been interesting. Um, those of you who were at the service New Year's Eve, uh, you know I read to you an article, and I'm not going to read it this morning. Um, but there was an article put out about ignition because of the apparent powerhouse huge church that we are. <laughs> Makes the state nervous. You know, the truth of it is this. It doesn't take much when you have a purified group of believers that sell themselves out to Jesus Christ no matter what. I'll tell you who it scares. It scares Satan. And he should be scared. He should be scared because we are at a point in time where land will be taken. Where authority will be taken from him. You are seeing it unfold in our country even now. By the way, I want to encourage anybody who can go down to Washington, D.C. on the 6th, this coming Wednesday. If you can, go down there. Be down there. I don't even know why. <laughs> I'm going down for two days. Going to be meeting with, I don't even know who all. The Lord will set that up. But go down there. I don't know if the conjecture that people are saying could happen on the 6th will happen. That's not why I'm going down. Because it honestly doesn't matter to me if Mike Pence does what he can do or what people think he can do and other people don't think he can do. Or if the congressmen do this or the senators do that. or doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Understand God is going to do this. God is going to do what he is going to do. And come January 20th, it will be an unexpected situation for this country. Especially those in this country who want to take away the power from the children of God, the power from those who want God's plan and have precipitated their own plan, which in essence is the plan of Satan for decades. It will be taken away from them. It already has been taken away from them. They just don't know it yet. But they will. They will know. And the sad part is the bride needs to stand up for this, but they don't. Some do in part. But we need to in whole. You know, it's interesting this... This, uh, whatever it was, article that was written about us, first of all, has so many false claims. Has a state representative that lied to get in here. He didn't have to lie. If he would have told me who he was and told me why he wanted to come, We'd have met him at the door, let him in, given him a big hug. And if he was uncomfortable with that, we could have wrapped ourselves in saran wrap for him. But he didn't have to lie to come in here to see what we're doing. What we're doing is open to the world. Because it's what the Lord is having us do. It is not some... Conformity or non-conformity to the state. To be honest with you, I could care less about the state. I could care less about the police that came here, what, two weeks ago, or whatever it was, three weeks ago, that warned of criminal intent and warned me of that, gave me this letter of warning and whatever, See, if we allow those things to come into our mind to care about, it will take away from the portions we're supposed to care about. 
I'll tell you, it, <laughs> you notice I have my laptop up here and, and I have my iPad up here because this morning, all, all I could think of coming into this morning was Acts chapter 4, and we're going to go there. But then I was sitting with the Lord this morning, as, as I do every Sunday morning, Lord, what do you, what do you have? Because oftentimes he doesn't tell me till I get up here, but he starts just giving me verse after verse after verse, and I, hold on, <laughs> slow down, slow down, let me get up my laptop, let me type some of these things in so I can remember them. And so that's why I have my laptop up here too, even though i got to put my glasses on to even see what it says. But I want to begin with one thing, and something Bryn had sent to, to Alexa and I a couple days ago. This is a, a prophetic word. I think it was put out on the first, right? Was it? Yeah, yesterday. Two days ago. Is today the third? Wow. This year is going by fast. Okay. Okay. It's by Veronica West, and, and I've, I've shared things of her before. Um, she is so close. I mean, we don't know each other. She is so closely in line with the things that the Lord tells us. It's, it's almost like it's the same God that's speaking to her as is speaking to us. Wow. I say that sarcastically because that's exactly what it is. I'm going to read this because it is for today. It is for the bride, and it goes along with what the Lord has laid on my heart for the bride. The title of it is Watch for God's Double Troublemakers, Empowered by the Spirit of Elijah, for Troubled Times Are Rising in 2021. Now, when Ahab, and this is quote, out of the word of God. Now, when Ahab saw Elijah, he said, is that really you, the troublemaker of Israel? <laughs> Veronica then said, I heard the spirit say, watch, for I am rising up a trouble, rising up troublemakers in this hour that will not be moved by man's opinion or by man's praise. Troublemakers filled with the fire of the spirit of truth that will ignite the fuse of revival, and bring to birth an explosive new movement of radical reformers that will not be contained or confined, nor will, be, will they be shut down or silenced. Watch, for many of my anointed troublemakers will be defined not by their soothing speech and their man-pleasing personalities, but they will be known for their sharp teeth and jagged edges. Like an abrasive sandpaper, they will rub many up the wrong way. And they will offend the spirit of religion and tradition that have taken up residence in the hearts of many that deem themselves holy in my sight. Yes, says the Father, I say, listen and pay attention. Watch. For now I am touching the lips of my troublemakers with red-hot coals of my fire and glory. And their tongues will be like sharp two-edged swords, cutting through bone and flesh. And their mouths will be filled with words of wisdom that carry the authority to shift nations and move mountains into the sea. Their eyes shall see with greater clarity and revelation. Their ears tuned to the frequency of heaven, having the ability to hear and accurately distinguish the voice of truth and righteousness from the many voices of deception and demonic delusion. These troublemakers will be mantled with might and power and will release and impart the spirit of the fear of the Lord into every atmosphere and place of influence. I say watch and pray, for gone are the days where sugar-coated words of compromise and false comfort are spoken from the mouths of wolves dressed in sheep's clothing to entice and to draw a hungry and thirsty crowd for the purpose of feeding the lust of their own flesh and the lust of their own, own eyes. 
For gone are the days where the glory thieves go into steal even more of my glory. Gone are the days where my precious word is pimped and prostituted and written on merchandise and sold as household commodities. For did I not say my father's house shall not be shall be a house of prayer and not be a den of thieves? Ha, watch, for my troublemakers will go forth to overturn and throw down many defiled tables in my father's house. Gone are the days where the truths of my word are twisted and distorted and thrown like precious pearls to be trodden underfoot so that the offering basket can be filled and the names of men can be lifted up and worshipped. Gone are the days when the pulpit is used as the coward's castle to manipulate, intimidate, and control my beloved sheep. Gone are the days when men and women will stand in my holy presence and lie and steal and think they can continue to abuse my body and that death and destruction will not surely come upon their own heads and upon the heads of those in their household. I'm going to stop there a second, guys. Do you remember what the Lord spoke through me last week? The declarations out of Zechariah 5. I don't know her. She does not know me. But she is speaking of those very declarations. Gone are the days when men and women will seek to bring a heavenly God down to man's earthly level so that their premises will be filled and their purses will be fat. I say again, gone are these days. For now a new day is dawning, days that will be marked by radical change and transformation. Days of divine disruptions, supernatural shakings, and unexpected suddenlies, glorious signs, wonders, and miracles. For I will show myself to be God, and my righteous remnant of troublemakers will rise, filled by the spirit and power of Elijah, and they shall advance to build and establish my kingdom purposes in the nations of the earth. Will you choose to be God's double Troublemaker for troubled times. This takes me back to what I've been feeling for the last couple of weeks, ever since those police came here. I was reminded of Acts chapter 4. In fact, go ahead and turn there. Acts chapter 4, the buildup of it is, obviously, Pentecost has already happened. You've got this in just insane amount of passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Comforter has come, the Comforter who has come and bringing power, bringing His healing, and these things are going on all throughout Jerusalem. And, and as you can imagine, the Pharisees and Sadducees, those who are in governmental control, they thought they got rid of all that when they got rid of Jesus only to come to find that it was even worse. So in Acts chapter 4, Paul, or, I'm sorry, Peter and John are arrested, literally for healing a guy. <laughs> Amazing. They're arrested for that, and they're taken before, before the courts and, and dealt with. I'm not going to go through all that part that we'll read, but we're going to begin at verse 19 in their response to being told not to preach anymore. Being told what to do by the governmental authority. Verse 19 says this. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Let me read that again. 
whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. In other words, he's saying, do what you got to do. Think what you got to think. I will speak what the Lord tells me to speak. That was a bold statement by a representative of the church, especially at that time. Because what had just happened? They had just crucified the one who they felt was responsible for this whole movement, which he was and is and will continue to be. They thought they had gotten rid of him. They killed him. They scourged him. They beat him. So for Peter and John to stand up in this capacity, they knew the cost. They had already lost the cost of their best friend. But everything that he said that would happen, did happen. And they stood in such a confidence of being a child of God that it didn't matter what any government was telling them to do. What any religious leader was telling them to do. It really was about them being obedient to God. And I love the reaction because they're, they're let go, right? They're told, don't, don't speak of this again. And they say, well, sorry, can't hear you. Talk to the hand. Then they go back and they go back to the believers. And I love the response. We're going to start in verse 23. The response of the, of the believers that they went back to. Imagine, I mean, really, put yourself in this position. Imagine what's going on. Jesus, just a couple of months earlier, was hung on a cross. Other believers have been hunted. Now, the leaders of, of your church, Peter and John, they were arrested for healing somebody. And for preaching. And then they're let go boldly making a statement of I will not stop. And they come back to you. Imagine yourself in that congregation. You have a choice right there. You have a choice to slip out the back. Or you have a choice to stand. Just like they did. Just like they did. I love the response of the people. Verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief, chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our fathers, David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Verse 27. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their, their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your words with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God with boldness. You know, verses 23 through 30, they weren't a preaching. They were a reaction of, this, of these people in prayer. That was a prayer. They're speaking to God. They didn't ask God, Lord, take us from this place. Lord, remove the authorities from this place. 
They didn't say, God, do this. They already knew their calling. They already knew what they were supposed to do. And so their entire prayer was, God, give us boldness to continue. Give us boldness to continue. You may wonder, especially online, you may wonder, what's this got to do with now? Because, see, we're allowed to preach. We're allowed to be online. I'm online right now. Nobody's putting a gun to my head and telling me not to preach. Right? We can can get together. I think we're allowed 30%. As long as we're six feet apart. No matter with masks, with cellophane wrapped around our bodies. By the way, pet peeve. Sorry, don't want to derail here, but went out to dinner last night, and it's just insane to me. They they see us at the table, and they're awesome people. I, I'm not even going to say the restaurant because I love the restaurant. But the lady sits us at the restaurant and says, "Yes." You're, you're going to have to keep your masks on until you get your, your food and beverage for the sake of our wait staff. And I'm thinking, okay, please explain to me how it makes sense that COVID will not strike as soon as I start to eat. That somehow it's got this special timing where it's okay to protect the wait staff in the waiting time before I get my food and beverage. But my food and beverage some, somehow has some power to keep back the COVID strain until I can finally eat it, put my mask on so I can protect them once again. <laughs> Probably get myself in trouble here because we are recorded, we're online. But that is stupid. That is ridiculous. That makes no sense whatsoever. Not only that, that is against our individual rights in this country. We have a right to freedom. And and it's offensive to me. It's offensive to me. For the men and women who died for that freedom. They look at it now being taken away from inside. But we know the truth. It's being taken away or trying to be taken away from Satan and his emissaries. Those who don't believe in God. Those who don't believe in a Satan. I mean, I feel bad for you. Because just because you don't believe something doesn't make it not true. And you will see, you will see this fight. You will see this battle. You will see the church start to stand up. Didn't mean to. Forgot what I was even talking about. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I derailed myself there, didn't I? But it is about the boldness. That we ask for in this time. Because God is telling us to stand. He is telling the bride to stand. He will give you boldness. And and by the way, guys, I, I don't know of any pastor yet in Delaware that I know of that's been arrested. There's only been a few nationwide. There was one in Florida, I think one in Texas. There, there might be a few more that, that I'm unaware of. But do you know the power of the church is in their passion and their numbers? If, if even just the church would stand up to this ridiculousness, if we even had 25% of the churches in Delaware stand up, good night, if we only had just the house churches in Delaware... Stand up. Unify together and stand up against this. What are they going to arrest us all? I mean, the reality is, if they come here and arrest me, do they really think they're going to stop this? Wow, they, they they put a lot of credit on my shoulders if they think that. 
Because it's truly got nothing to do with me. If I am gone, then another will step right into this place. By the way, not the next Sunday, but the next moment. If they were to come right now and take me away, which, I mean, just the thought of that just seems ridiculous. But if they were, do you think this church, really, do you think this church right here would be so distraught that they wouldn't know what to do? No. In fact, they would look at me, wave, and say, good luck. We're going right back to saying what the Lord has to say. Because they know God's got me. I know God's got them. And each person who steps into this pulpit, into this, onto this platform, God's got them. Just like he had Peter and John. God's got them. We just need the boldness to recognize that as the bride. I mean, imagine what would happen if even a portion of the bride would stand up in this country. Satan, one of the best things he did, and he began way back 2,000 years ago with what we're reading right now after Pentecost. After the church was born, the, the most effective thing he did is bring disunity into the bride. Bring division in the bride because of doctrine. Because of greed. Because of lust. Because of fear. When it becomes more important to a pastor to keep his arms around his congregation, hiding them from the rest of the bride, because he is afraid of them either being messed up, which they already would be, or even worse than that, maybe going somewhere else and taking their tithes and offerings somewhere else. Woe to that pastor. Woe to those ministry leaders. For I declare it this year, this year, you will be separated out as goats. Your lives will be held accountable to that. This is a difficult, difficult thing. And I'm not talking about the situation we're in with this country. I'm talking about it's a difficult thing to go against God. Do you understand? Man can do nothing to us. Man can do nothing. First of all, we have it way easier. Imagine if we were in China. The message would be no less important. The message would be the same. The cost there would be devastating. See, we're fighting for them too. Do you understand that? This nation that leads the world is run by those who do not, and, and I'm talking about overall, who do not want God's will. Why do you think Donald Trump was put in there in the first place? Not because he was close to God. Just like Cyrus wasn't close to God. He was put in there because God made him impenetrable. God made him so thick-skinned that he could take the hits that would be slung at him. But you know what? There was something else that was supposed to happen in the last four years, and it didn't. When he was spearheading these things for the children of God, the children of God were supposed to stand up and unite and come together. Not under him as Messiah. Give me a break, those who think that. But under God who has orchestrated this entire thing. 
So it's time, guys. And I'm speaking to ministry leaders all over. I'm speaking to pastors all over. Unite. Unite with us. We don't have to lead you. We'll just be friends. We'll just both stand for God. But unite. Come together or you will lose everything. And not because God's going to lose, but because God is separating the sheep from the goats. It's exactly what she said in there. Wow, I've been going for 40 minutes. Okay, the Lord gave me like eight more passages. <laughs> okay. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 4. And maybe maybe this will extend into next week or whatever. Ephesians chapter 4. And I've preached on this before, but the first couple of verses is a calling on our life. It's, it's, it's God's view of how important we are. And Paul speaking here, he says, verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you. And by, by the way, if you want to take anybody's testimony on prosecution or on persecution, you could take Paul's. There is nobody in the Word of God that had to pay more than he did. That at least that, that's been written about. He paid throughout his entire ministry. He paid immeasurable cost. And then ended up paying with his life. So if we could take anybody anybody's life example, we could take Paul's life example. He says in verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I want to point something out here because I get disgusted by pastors that use this and say this is exactly why we don't stand. Because we need to keep the peace. Do you know, do you not know anything? Do you know that it is by sitting down that you bring on the affliction? I loved, I I was in college when Ronald Reagan became president. Think. Might have been his second term. I can't remember. Anyways, um, I, I was around that age. And I remember one of the things that he said that, that just has stuck with me my whole life. I believed it then. I believe it now. And he said, strength through power. He believed in strength for, through power. It was through that strength that he worked on that wall to come down. Right? And breaking apart the communism at the time that we knew as Russia. It was through that strength that authority was given. Do you understand that? When God gives us authority, there is strength in that authority. You have a right as a child of God to have strength in projecting what he says doesn't mean that you won't pay a cost, just like Paul did. What it means is you'll have a voice. What's more important to you? To have a voice, to be obedient to God, to be closer with Him in intimacy of relationship? Or to live in fear of persecution? Or even worse, persecution itself. I'm so afraid of persecution, I'm not going to do anything that will bring on persecution. Boy, isn't that the mantra of the majority of the church for decades? 
Well, we're afraid of losing our tax identity, our tax-free identity, so we won't speak up. We, 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 we won't speak up because there's a ch- separation of church and state. By the way, this gets me. Do you know that's not in the Constitution? That's not. It's, it's something Benjamin Franklin said. And by the way, if you study his life, you might understand how Satan used that. The intent was never for the church to be out of the state. In fact, God's intent and the intent of the forefathers was that the church run the state on his principles. Not forcing down others. If you read the word of God, you fall in love with people. It's not about forcing people to believe in God. It's about bringing on his principles and his truth to then actually do them good. Doesn't do Satan good. That's why there's resistance. So this bit about separation of church and state, I'd love for it to be reworded. I'd love for it to just say, Get the state out of the church. That's it. We don't have to be afraid of losing our tax status. By the way, guys, preachers, ministry leaders, you don't have to have a 501c3 to be tax exempt. You don't at all. We're a church. We're tax exempt. We're not a 501c3. But yet we're approved as a 501c3. Never had to sign that agreement. We don't have the IRS as our covering, as you do when you sign that document. How do we have the authority to do that? <laughs> it's because it's given in the Constitution. Ask the IRS. They'll tell you that. That's how I found out. I had a conversation with them. They said, oh, well, yeah, you don't have to do it that way. You can, But it's so much easier. Well, sure it is for them. <laughs> Bottom line is, who cares about tax-exempt if it costs me my relationship with the Lord? What it has cost the church is extraordinary. What it has cost the church is everything. Do you understand? And it's time that that stops. We are to walk in a manner in a in a manner worthy of the calling, worthy of the calling that we have been called. And the last part of that, where it says, "Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace," guess what? That's not peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That is peace between the bride who carries the spirit. The bride is to have peace amongst themselves. That's what he's talking about there. Strive to be in peace with your brothers and your sisters. And the only way that peace can come is not compromising the word of God. Not compromising his will. Turn to Proverbs 25. This is how the church has lost ground over the decades. Proverbs 25, verse 26 says, Like a muddied spring or a polluted fountain is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. If, if this rings of anything, I think it was maybe two weeks ago or three weeks ago, something like that, I spoke out of Ezekiel. And you don't have to, have to turn there. I'll, I'll just read it. But Ezekiel 34.18 said, is it, is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture and to drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? 
See, what the Lord is talking about there are these people that that are part of the bride. They're in the bride. But they're in for selfish gain. They're in for selfish reasons. They push God away because of fear. They literally muddy the waters that others would drink. It's kind of like if you stand in a stream and, and you lean down and you're drinking, you're drinking of the clean water from God while all the time you're just stirring up the water underneath you and those downstream are drinking the dirt coming from your feet. Woe to pastors and ministry leaders that do this, that muddy the waters of God's word that would speak in a way that the people just get the junk. Woe to them. There will be days where they drop dead right in the pulpit. The Lord has shown me this. It is coming, and it is coming quickly. Second Corinthians eleven. See the bride has been infiltrated by Satan almost since the beginning. Almost since the beginning of Acts. It says here in verse eleven. For even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. See, the bride is filled with these people. Intentional and unintentional. I mean, we know of a large church Around here, we know of three witches, real active, lifetime witches that are in leadership of that church. And you don't think that Satan infiltrates the church? You bet he does. He does knowingly, as in that case. He does unknowingly as well where people are filled with their own desires, their own fears, their own lusts. These things open doors for Satan to gain authority in their lives to then have effect on the rest of that local bride. Satan has permeated the church this way all throughout the church. And again, that is coming to a stop. What the Lord has told us over the last couple of years is he is bringing a transparency to the bride. What do you mean by that? He's forcing choices. He's forcing them to say what they think. You ever notice that? You ever start seeing, on, it's, it's astounding to me. I, I see it all the time where, where all of a sudden somebody will say something that, that his quote-unquote, remain neutral all this time. They, they don't say anything good or bad or anything else. But now, all of a sudden, they're making a statement. And I, and I think, wow. God just forced them to do that. Literally. That's what he's doing. He's forcing them to be known. He's forcing them to make their choices transparent. They cannot hide any longer. And... In this process, it's been one of the saddest things to me. You know, it, forget the pet peeve again. It's not even a pet peeve. It hurts my heart. I don't understand a church. I don't understand a church that says, we're all for Biden. I don't understand that. And by the way, don't, don't tell me I shouldn't be political. Because that has every... Everything to say over my life and over the life of this church. So you better believe I have a right to speak it. I don't understand where the, where the 
church comes and says, we're for these things that are not for God. I've already said, it doesn't matter if you, if you're for Trump or not. I mean, look at the things that, that he wants to come against. All I had to do was realize the one about abortion. The stark difference between the two, there was no choice for me. There's no choice for the bride. And this, this pastor down in Georgia who's running for senator, his name's Warlock or Warlock or something. Warnock. Okay. Inconsequential slip, sorry. Sure. And him saying that he believes in the word of God that abortion is right. The Lord says your life will be expected of you this year. I say it and declare it in Jesus' name. You cannot compromise the Lord's word and claim it for your own. We are not in the days that we have been over the last 30 or 40 years where God's mercy is that none should perish. So he withholds his justice over 60 million babies aborted in the womb, murdered in the womb. He withholds his justice for the sake of even one more coming to know him. But those days are over, I declare it in Jesus' name. Those days are ended because his justice will no longer wait. We cannot manipulate his word and take his truth out of it. Go to Psalm 94. I just want to finish these because I just know God will give me something else next week. So. Psalm 54, beginning at verse 20. Can wicked rulers be allied with you, those who frame injustice by a statute? Where are we? We we are 94, verse 20. Sorry. 94. Did I say 54? 94. Just add 40 to that. Psalm 94, verse 20. I'll read it again. Can wicked rulers be allied with you? Those who frame injustice by statute. That is exactly what's going on. How the, the politicians will frame something, even this last stupid, whatever it was, the COVID bill that came through and, and they, they slip in all these other little stupid things. You know, by the way, I am all, I'm good with any money coming back to the people. $600, awesome. $2,000, even better. To the people who pay their taxes, That's no different than lowering taxes. But to give it to these other groups, for whatever purposes, that's the problem. They make these statutes, and we are not to be allied with them. Verse 20 again, can wicked rulers be allied with you? Those who frame injustice by statute. Then he goes on to say, They band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has become my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. He will bring back on them their iniquity and wipe them out for their wickedness. The Lord, our God, will wipe them out. I declare this truth today in Jesus' name. This happens in our society, in our country, in this world. This applies 
today. In Jesus' name, I declare it. Turn to Galatians 5. Satan wants to take our freedom in any way he can. Because, see, a submissive Christian is one who is powerless. And when I say submissive, I'm not talking about submissive to the Word of God or, or submissive to Him. I'm talking about submissive to what Satan is trying to do. Submissive to his efforts to silence us. When we do that, we fall back under the yoke of sin. We, we literally pull that yoke back on, put it back on our shoulders and say, I'll carry it. That's what the bride's done. Do you know God, all he ever said was stand up for what I say. He never said that we have to carry that burden on ourselves. See, we think a, a life of cost is a burden. That's the paradigm that's all screwed up in our minds. That, well, you know, yeah, but I, I, do, I don't want to be beaten. I don't want to be thrown in jail. I don't want to have no friends because at school I talk about Jesus. We look at those costs and we are in fear of that. When we do that, we fall back under the yoke that we were never meant to carry. This yoke of sin. It says in, in verse 1 of Galatians 5, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. For freedom He has set us free. Oh, man, I... In my conversations with him, just his heart wanting his people to understand what freedom is. Do you know most of the bride has no clue? They have no clue. Because church is something that's just kind of, kind of in this category, right? And, and I deal with it when I either feel bad about something or it's time to go to church or, or come Christmas time. Which, by the way, wasn't Jesus' birth anyways. But I deal with it when, when I get those feelings. They don't look at themselves as part of a family. And yet they are. 1 Corinthians 15. And you could go back and listen to this again to get all these references. I, I would really suggest taking... Going back and really diving into all these passages. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, talks about us being steadfast. It says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, the, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Be steadfast, be immovable. Now, by the way, that's not stubborn according to what you think you should do. <laughs> you know, well, I want to do this. It's, it's what I want to do, and I'll be stubborn in that. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about knowing God's plan, knowing his will, building intimacy and relationship with him, and do not move from it. Be immovable. Be steadfast. And then the last one, 2nd to last one, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Philippians 1, <clears throat> Philippians 1, beginning at verse 27, says this, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and I see you or see you or am absent I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not 
frightened in anything by your opponents. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what the state can do. Don't be afraid of of even what Satan can do. Satan's nothing. He is crushed under God's foot. Be afraid of a holy God. And when I say be afraid, you don't have to be afraid of him, but you have to be in awe of him. He's not your bro. He's not the man upstairs. He is a holy God that in his presence, Moses couldn't even look. The holiness of him is crying out for justification, for the justness that his mercy has paid for. And lastly is Ephesians 6. I'm going to leave you with this thought. Go through the whole armor of God. It's, it's awesome. I want to begin at verse 10. And we're just going to go down through beginning of 14. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And this is the part I want you to get. He says, and having done all to stand, stand. Right? Having done all to learn what you need to do to stand, then you actually have to do it. You actually have to follow through and stand. Preachers, you preach about standing up for God's word. You've prepared yourself in your knowledge of standing. Now stand. Now stand. Stand. Because it's time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you and we praise you. And as we close this morning, God, we just give you our love. We give you our lives. Our lives are yours to do with however you please. Our desire is to be under your protection only. To speak your truth, to speak your word. Father, I ask that you get this message out to other church leaders and pastors. Father, prick their hearts with your love, with your conscience. Show them that there is nothing to be afraid of. And Father, those who have been placed under such a veil of deception, I ask that you peel away these layers of deception so at least they will have a moment to see clearly to choose. I ask that for your entire bride. But for those who have knowingly deceived and led Father, I know you have already said they will be held responsible. But God, you know the heart. You know the heart of each person. You know the heart of each ministry leader, each pastor. I just ask that you do your will. Your will be done. 
We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.